Eye Perspectives. On this episode, we continue from the Osmosis Conference in Orlando, Florida. Matt sits down with Mike Lacourte, the CEO of Conflict International, a multinational investigation firm. Mike is also the chairman of the World Association of Detectives. Mike joins Matt to discuss what it's like to do business as an investigator in Europe and the challenges of the new GDPR policies. Mike also discusses how to conduct an international investigation that spreads through multiple countries. Glad you're with us, and we hope you enjoy our last installment from Orlando. Now here's your host, private investigator, Matt Spare. And welcome to another episode of PI Perspectives. I'm here in Orlando at the Osmosis 2019 conference. I am privileged here to have Mike Lacord. Mike runs Conflict International. He's also the chairman of the board of the World Association of Detectives. So thanks for sitting down with me today, Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah. Hi. How you doing, Matt? Good, good, good. So we're going to talk today a little bit about the World Association of Detectives and also Conflict International. I know you through the World Association of Detectives. We, we met a couple of years ago. So we're going to jump in on that real quickly. Sure. So tell me a little bit about what WAD is and what the benefits are for being a member to it. Sure. No problem. Well, the World Association of Detectives, the WAD, is a global association of investigators. It was formed in 1925 by ex-US Secret Service, and it was predominantly a US-based association. Over the last 50 or 60 years, it's grown internationally exponentially, and now there are about 1,000 members operating in over 80 jurisdictions around the globe. So it really is a network of skilled, vetted investigators in jurisdictions all over the world. So whenever you need local support in another jurisdiction where maybe you don't know how things work there legally or you don't know the investigation process there's boots on the ground there right that you know can help you and be an extension to your team that's that and that's really helpful like making sure you're not breaking any laws where you're trying to (laughs) do what you need to do is important i gotta say one of the things about the wad that impresses me the most is the translation ability on the message board (laughs) when somebody (laughs) sends out an email in a different language how it converts to english you read it and you're like, okay, I know it's a translation, but wow, I really understand what this person is is uh, yeah. looking for. <laughs> yeah. So I always was like, wow, that's that's really interesting that they're able to do that. It's um, it's really cool. So I've actually personally been a member of WAD for about three years, three or four years now. I've used it from time to time. I've had situations where you know I'm based out of New York, and maybe one of my attorney clients has their clients on vacation somewhere, and something happens, and I need to get that boots on the ground. So I had a situation where it was in Italy. And they said, oh, my, you know, my client just had a car accident in Italy. Do you have anyone who speaks Italian? I was like, well, what if I could get you somebody that's locally in Rome? They're like, you could do that? I was like, yeah, I could do that. Within two or three hours, I had them like four names to call. And I had spoken to all, all the investigators to make sure they were able to actually do it. And then we were able to get them the information. And also, recently, I had a, a case where I needed uh, someone in Ecuador. And uh, WAD just hit it out of the park for me because the investigator I hired he knew how to get things notarized, right? Mm-hmm. I could have gone to Ecuador myself and done that work, but you know, I would have had my New York stamp, and that means nothing, right? Yeah. It needed it needed to be recognized internationally, the papers that were being signed, and that's one of the benefits, you know, somebody who uh, who knows the, the local laws and how to do things the proper way, like you're you're paying for that um, for that service to get it done. It was a very good experience, and I just I love the activity of the board. I haven't actually been to a board meeting yet. I really want to. The last one was in Sweden, correct? Yes, yeah, Stockholm, Sweden. Yeah, exactly. I saw the pictures. I know we had a big uh, contingency from the. Uh, 
Society of Professional Investigators that went. I saw their photos. I'm just like, darn it, man. I wish I was able to get out there. But I think the next one coming up is somewhere warm, right? Yeah, we've yeah. got the midterm in March in Panama. Right. And then in September, we're in Aruba right. for the annual. And the annual get pretty good numbers. You know, we've right. got about 200 investigators turn up. So get some good numbers there. And it's, what's great about it, Matthew, is you've got all these different cultures all these different people from around the world, and, and they all come together in one um, one community. It's pretty unique. It's, right. the, it's the most unique association that I've come across in the world. Yeah, I've enjoyed it, man. Like I, I found out about it through PI Magazine. You, know, you guys had run a, an arc on. I'm just like, why am I not mm. a member of this? Right? It's it's a great network, and it, what a fantastic marketing tool, right? So I go to to my clients, and I'm like. Hey man, not only can I cover all of New York through you, through, you know, Aldenese or whatever, I can cover the world for you, right? Mm-hmm. I'm part of networks. Like you need an investigator in, in Stockholm, done. Mm-hmm. You know, you need somebody in Japan, no problem. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, just having the ability to do that just makes you look better. You know, makes you bigger than you actually are sometimes. Yeah, completely. <laughs> you know, which is, which is good. I'm going to make it a point to, to come out to, um, you know, who, who can argue, right? Huh? I'm sorry, honey. I have to go to Aruba. <laughs> sorry. You know? I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> I'll be there. I may actually bring my family with me, though. <laughs> it be a very expensive trip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So but let's move on to, more importantly, Conflict International. So tell sure. me a little bit about that business and what it does. Yeah. So Conflict International is a full-service intelligence investigation agency. It started by merger in 2008. So two companies merged, created Conflict International, and it's grown ever since from there. I'm, I'm current CEO of that company. And yeah, it's it's busy. Okay. So how many people work for you? So we have we have 20 in the UK and we mm. have four in New York. Okay. And, you know, I, I think with any business, it's only as strong as the, the people in it. Yeah. And you've got to find the right people. And so true. Over the years, you know, you, you <laughs> I don't want to say this bad, but you, you do, you know, you you learn by your mistakes. And oh, then, sure. You know. Yeah. And listen, just because somebody held a certain position for 20-something years doesn't mean they were good at it, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, like, listen, we're here at Osmosis. We're here all about technology. We're yeah. learning to new things, do new things and, you know, the latest gadgets and all that other stuff. But a gumshoe is a gumshoe. If mm-hmm. you don't know how to talk to somebody and ask questions or you don't know how to read a situation, if you're doing EP work and some stuff starts going down, if you don't know how to read the room... You're not yeah. good at it, you know, no, no matter right. how much experience you have. So yeah. it's like, yeah, I, I can agree with that. Like you really, just because you're in the space doesn't mean you're good at it. You, right. you got to really figure out um, how to do it. And when you find folks that are good at doing it, you give them whatever they want for salary and you hold on to them as long as you can. You're right. <laughs> you, but know? You, you also see the growth. And when you get yeah. the right people in the right positions, yeah. then you think, wow, this is this is the way the company should be running because sure. you've got the right key people with the right mentality and discipline right. And, and they can really change levels of your company. Something tells me that you have to have a passport to work for Conflict International. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I mean, a lot That's of one of the job requirements. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of travel a involved. A lot of traveling. Yeah. Okay. How many countries do you, do you cover? How many countries do we cover? We've got, I mean, through the associations like the WAD, we've got excellent global reach. And over the years of, I mean, I think there's one, six of us, I think there are members of the WAD or maybe five. Over the years, you develop SLA, service level agreements with mm. strategic partners around the world, guys that you've worked with, you trust, you know their work, you know their deliver, their deliverable, their product, and you develop these relationships and you end up creating footprints in those countries. Right. So I would say, you know, we're pretty comfortable in a lot of the countries around the world. There's a few we won't touch for just obvious reasons, right. but, you know, I think that's probably goes yeah. <laughs> for the whole investigation community. But, 
you know, I'm pretty comfortable. And the other thing is, is understanding, and we touched on it before, is what you can and can't do, the processes, the culture, the ethics, the laws, and, and what you what deliverable are. I mean, yeah. when in my office in London, it's a, it's a great talking point. Whenever there's an American job that hits the table, we're all Be happy. Nice. Be nice. We're all happy. No, I'm saying we're all happy because you guys have access to yeah. a lot of information, a lot of data. It's like, yeah. great, we're going to look fantastic in front of our clients because yeah. we can pull everything out. And then, you know, certain jurisdictions because of the privacy laws. And Well, know. let's talk about it a little bit. The GDPR, how is that affecting your business model? Yeah, GDPR has come into effect May 2018 and it has hit the investigation community. But now with the UK and, and Brexit, because, you know, the UK looking at leaving the European Union, then what we've done internally, we've taken some advice on this, is we've set up and incorporated in Cyprus, which is currently in the EU. So we can then share data within the EU right. and instruct out of the Cyprus office for data sharing there. So it's, it's another option. It gives our clients another option. It gives us another option when we're working on international projects. Right. So we've had to put, you know, at our own expense, another layer in place, another... It's just money. Yeah, yeah another <laughs> bit of advice from someone else in the industry that's... Another reason to travel, you know, well. yeah, one more office to go visit. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Dude, I wanted to see what your frequent flyer miles look like. I've got a few. I can give you some if you like. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> but you can't use them for Aruba. Okay. <laughs> Panama, man. Panama. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This would be a good time to let you know this episode is brought to you by Satellite Investigations in New York City. Satellite Investigations is New York's leading investigation firm since 2005. Check out the newsletter archives for previous articles and publications. Matt is also available to be booked as a speaker for your association or conference events. You can visit their site at SatellitePI.com, S-A-T-E-L-L-I-T-E-P-I.com for more details. So tell me a little bit about the types of clients that, that you work for. Three groups, uh, probably like with all the investigation community, but you know we've got the corporate world, the law world on mm. behalf of their clients and the high net worth individuals. Mm. If you're looking for percentage splits, I'd say 50, 55% uh, lawyer lawyers and, and on behalf of their clients, like 25, 30% corporate world and 15% whatever's remaining in the high net worth mm-hmm. market. So if you were doing a job in New York, uh, for example, you obviously have your team that you're putting mm-hmm. together. Do you reach out if you need additional people for like subcontractors to bring in? Or- Completely, all the yeah. time. Um, and we have a, I'm sure many people keep this, but we have like a, a contractor list mm-hmm. with previous with, with, with uh, Yelp reviews in there. <laughs> Funny you should say that. Not Yelp, but there are there are reviews on, you know, report. Right. Yeah, because, you know, you right. need to keep up to date. You when to, when yeah. it was last used, was it value for money, response and that type of thing. And you just write, it's like an online file sharing spreadsheet right, right. Of, of, you know, who, who, where, what, how. And, you know, if we get stuck, we've got all the listservs to reach out to sure, for support, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, that's how I <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's what community is about, you know, yeah, being completely. part of these associations, being able to lean on people that you know. And that's why it's important to come to events like Osmosis and to go to WAD events because that face-to-face interaction, um, having sitting down and having a meal with somebody and finding out what their background is, who they're who they're about, what they do is so important, you know, when you're making that decision on how am I gonna handle this. So Let's talk a little bit about the executive protection, basically how you manage that. How do you set that up? Setting up for success. 
What do you do on the on the um, the back end to like manage everything? Shouldn't tell me what that looks like. Okay, so we've got let's say from the UK office, we've got a guy called Dave Thomas who's head of operations, and he runs all the EP work internationally. So he'll make sure the right the risk assessments are done. We understand the brief, the objective, exactly what we're supposed to be doing. He'll then profile and build the right EP team for whatever the, the, the situation is. And he'll keep a close, close eye on that project and run that. And the way he selects, or we all select um, the EP agents that build that team is through, obviously the networks that we're in, we make sure that they're accredited, licensed and checked, people that we've worked with, and we, and we put that team together to make sure that it achieves you know, the, right, the right task. Yeah, I think one of the things you were talking about earlier that was important too is, is managing expectations for the client. Because I think everybody has an idea, especially like when you do surveillance, you know, it's like, oh, we're going to catch them the first time. And I only want to send one guy out there. It's like, no, <laughs> it's not yeah. the way to do it. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. <laughs> Turn off law and order <laughs> yeah. and let's talk for real, you yeah. know? So how do you do that? Yeah, I would say you're right. 50% of the project is actually managing the client's expectations, you know, giving them a deliverable that is satisfactory to achieve their objective. So, you know, like you said earlier, watching all these, you know, online television investigation dramas has skewed what reality really is in our sector you know yeah. and, and i love sherlock i can't, I can't <laughs> stop watching it <laughs> like, it's just not real you know yeah yeah exactly they'll come with you know a, 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 an outrageous objective of you know wanting to find out x but you know the way you find out x is you need to do three or four steps first okay. or this is the reality of what an investigation really looks like so it's keeping close contact with the client and managing their expectations especially if they've never hired investigators before because right. you've got to think of the frame of mind that someone is in to hire an investigator if it's a private individual yeah usually there's some sort of crisis going on i would Correct. i would imagine right we are, we are what we call a distressed purchase. No one comes to us and books us in like you book a holiday in for next year. You've got a situation that's happening live. We are a distressed purchase. We, we need to react and act and try and provide a solution pretty much straight away. And a client has an idea of that, what that solution is in their head. Right. You know, this is going on. I want to find X, but hold on a minute. This, tell me your scenario. And we are the investigators. We'll put the strategy in place to try and achieve what you want. And that's the process in managing clients' expectations. Yeah, and that's that's always a tough sell, especially Maybe. if they're they're very um, opinionated or you know you're dealing with that typical high net worth person. They're there for a reason. They're usually probably very stubborn and you know have their own idea on how to do things or used to getting things done their Correct. particular way. So, yeah, that's that's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. And you know, being able to to manage the expectations when you don't you know, hit the mark there because, you know, especially when it comes to surveilling, you know, it's, you never know how it's going to turn out. I mean, there's no guarantee. And, you know, what happens today may be different tomorrow. What happens? Maybe tomorrow you get what you're looking for, but today was a bad day. You got to deal with that. So how do you go about soliciting these types of clients? I think the industry and the investigation was built on brand, trust, and reputation. Um, and a lot of our business is repeat clients. So we mm. work for, we've got say retainers from corporates that we're engaged on monthly work and lawyers that we've known for many years and you know they're their out outlet to other clients but private private high net worth individuals i think it's word of mouth it's very very difficult to shout about your successes actually you can't shout about your successes that much in this industry yeah, you got that nda <laughs> so you may have done a fantastic investigation for yeah. a real high net worth or a well say, publicized type client who's got yeah. a good following, who's, who's yeah. in the public domain, yeah. but you can't tell anyone about it. So, yeah, you know. I, can't, I can't even begin to tell you. There's some guys <laughs> I've met and I'm having, you know, we're, we're hanging out, we're 
talk and, and all that. And they start telling me things. I'm like, why are you telling me to stop? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you're not supposed to talk about these things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll change the subject. You know? Completely, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, if you're not tied up with an NDA, yeah. you're tied up for morally and, and your integrity. You don't want to discuss your clients' yeah. projects with others. So oh, your reputation is everything in this business. There you yeah. go. So you're right. It's a difficult market to um, advertise yourself or, right. or publicly talk about what you've done. However, over the years, if you brand your, yourself, you create yourself an identity, mm-hmm. and you, you you keep banging the same drum of professional, you know, integrity, reliability, and you're trustworthy, the, the clients will come to you. And if you keep providing good results, your name will get around. Yeah. And I mean, you can't you can't throw out the name, uh, you know, Harris Pilton, and you know, people won't know what you're talking about, right? You just yeah. can't do it. You know, no. you gotta. You got a, uh, a whole deck, that code of ethics, I think, yeah. is, is really important. Because once once you've been burned and people say, ah, this guy can't keep his mouth shut, you're done. That's it. It's finished. You're right. You're only as good as your last job in this industry. No, it's it's true. It's true. I think that that's why it's important to come to conferences like this, too, to get better at what we do and, and just get a pulse, uh, a sense of what's changing in the industry. Um, legislative is always an issue in the United States. I know uh, overseas, probably even more. But like in the United States, the National Council of Investigative Security Services is really important. Making sure that you know the lawmakers hear the voice of the investigator, the security guard company, because a lot of times they don't even realize that that the bill that they're signing is going to affect our livelihood. I think is important. And I'm sure it's the same way overseas. Dealing with that, you know, making sure uh, there's some sort of lobbyist. Do you guys have that in England, where where there's like? Uh, you know, an investigation organization that that tries to talk to politicians to make sure you guys are protected or not really. So you may not believe this, but in the UK, uh, the the act of private investigation is not licensed. Where there's no license for PIs really? in the UK, which is so Sherlock is not licensed. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, so, sorry it. to shock you, but you know, we have been lobbying for licensing. There's as uh, many investigators would like a license to be introduced in it's the a, UK. It's um, a brainer. Yeah. yeah. However, the, the government in the UK have keep setting this aside. I think there's more important issues to discuss. Right. Um, I'm part of the ABI, which is the Association of British Investigators, mm-hmm. and they are very pro-licensing. Um, but, you know, it hasn't materialized yet. Don't hold your breath. I mean, right. it's, it keeps getting deferred. So hopefully one day we'll, we'll be licensed. But it's right. crazy. And in Europe, there are a couple of other countries. I know Germany, which again is another advanced com- country in Europe, is not licensed either. So you'd think... You know these these countries would be. I just that's like throwing revenue away. Why, why would they not want revenue? Like uh, a guaranteed yearly revenue? <laughs> that's not a good business model. No, no. no wonder this Brexit thing's going on. <laughs> Ooh, sorry. <laughs> I take that back. I'll edit that out later. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. <laughs> well, now we're going to tell you about Scope Now because this episode happens to be brought to you by ScopeNow.com. We automate your social media investigations. Not a ScopeNow user? Visit them at ScopeNow.com slash try. ScopeNow.com slash try. Make sure to visit the website to learn all about the new exciting upgrades of ScopeNow 3.0. ScopeNow.com, S-K-O-P-E-N-O-W.com. Don't forget to mention code PIP19 when you visit the site and sign up for an account to receive a 10% discount. That's PIP19. So uh, on top of executive protection, what else does um, does Conflict International do? So we're full service, really. We do the usual tracing. Uh, we've got pre-employment screening contracts for corporates. Um, we do background checks, do 
due diligence work, like mm. a little bit deeper work. Mm. We've got our own in-house surveillance team. We do international asset trace work and just providing sort of risk management to, to clients all, right. all over the place. So you see a, a good need for that, the, the whole risk management, going in and analyzing, or, or analyzing the, um, uh, a weakness um some way for someone to get in. To, to yeah, potentially. Things. There's the you know there, it could be physical. There could be the, the pen testing side of things as well, where it's more technical and see what vulnerabilities there are out there and mm-hmm. how to mitigate risks against that. Do you guys monitor like social media for um, executives and, and brands for uh, you know these these big companies? Yeah, we do some some social media monitoring or just web monitoring, so you can set up the usual alerts and whatever else. And you know if you're under under a retainer with a client, you just it's it's a opportunity to identify issues before they become bigger than right. You know, you can contain them quite quickly rather than before they become you know something that's difficult yeah, to manage. It's always important to know like where the bomb is before it goes off, than mm-hmm. dealing with the aftermath mm-hmm. after it goes off completely. But you know, it's so hard to sell somebody on that idea. Mm-hmm. The culture in the United States is so reactive and not proactive. That's like, I think it's one though. of the biggest challenges that we have. Oh yeah, we'll just deal with it after it happens. You know, it's like, no man, I'm going to tell you to like, and it's not even like it's not even that expensive to no. to, to put the policies in in place to to keep these things from happening. You know, sometimes uh, without you know, and I say this without any disrespect at all, but you know, if, if someone's been burnt once, they yeah. they're, they're more inclined to put provisions in place. Um, sure. And the monitoring stuff, it's relatively low cost, as you know. Yeah. So you know, to set it all up is it's relatively low low cost, and if you yeah. can go into a client with an assessment, and if you do a risk assessment first, and you identify these vulnerabilities, yeah. sometimes you do yourself out of work because you say, "Look, we've assessed. This is a risk assessment. We'll do it for low cost. Here are all your vulnerabilities where you're exposed." Then they may just take your report away and get their own internal team to well, do that, it. That happens a lot too. So I even had a situation where um, I had been in touch or contacted by somebody who who was in the entertainment industry, right? And they wanted to do backgrounds and do do all this stuff, and they had a few projects they were working on. And I gave him a quote. So here's, you know, I reached out to somebody like you. I said, hey, you know, like, I need this done. This is your wheelhouse, your specialty. What would it cost to do this? And we got everything all in place. And the, the, the person got back to me and says, looks great. Let me just talk to the studio because I don't want to pay for it. They need to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And it, it got lost. Mm-hmm. It got lost in the rigmarole of who was going to pay for the stupid service that they both agreed they need, yep. but they couldn't figure out who was actually going to pay for it. And it just, it died, yep. you know, and it's the, one of the frustrations, you know, it was very obvious they needed it, you know, and it, and it was going to be one of these situations. All right, well, because you didn't do it now, this happened. It's like, it's really, man, you couldn't get around just figuring out who was going to pay for it. But. Yeah. It does happen all the time, especially with the bigger the client, the bigger the corporate, sure. there's, you know, too many tick boxes. It's, unless you're dealing with a decision maker. Then. Yeah. I, I, to me, I, I mean, with my model too, being local in New York and just having a good client base, these clients have message boards where they'll talk about work that needs to be done or looking for a good investigator or whatever. And every now and then, thankfully, somebody says, hey, you know, Matt from Satellite knows what he's doing. You should use him. And just having three or four other people that are members of that board mm-hmm. saying, yes, you should use Call Satellite. They know what they're doing. Satellite investigations is great. And then I'll get phone calls and I'll know like somebody said something on message board because I'll get like seven or eight calls, yeah. you know, within a, a yeah. two or three day period. I'm like, oh, somebody put something on the message board again. But having that that built in testimonial is great. I think that's what keeps us alive and keeps us going. Yeah. Completely. So like what are some of the other um, challenges or, or give me a good uh, story where you guys were able to to figure something out or get something done that you, that, uh, you didn't think was possible? But don't break any NDAs, please, <laughs> if you can. 
Okay. So talk about a past case. Yeah, just not not details, but just okay. how, how you know maybe somebody on your team did something different that that they were able to get a job done. Um, uh, okay. End of last year, we took a call in from regular client, legal client, um, and I don't know how you'd know how the art world works. Mm. So I don't, I don't make that kind of money. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, it's not, not my art. <laughs> it was uh, an artist, a well-known artist, um, and what they do is they lease their artwork to other people, and these mm. other people whoever they are, companies, exhibit these art pieces in jurisdictions. And if there's a sale, mm. then the artist's team earn money out of that and the, the person who's leased the artwork earns a commission. Anyway, okay. it was a two-year lease deal for these pieces. I think it's 58 pieces of art. And he's a well-known artist. And it was leased by a company and the art was being shown in places around Europe. The two-year lease was up. Okay. The art never returned. Okay. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. So you've got, you know, I mean, I think I saw this on the episode of Blacklist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Really? Yeah. You, I mean, the media did pick up on it. So anyway, but so we were pulled in to do a few things <laughs> find the art right. and help bring it back. Right. So, um, and this is the power of some of the networks. Mm. So the client said, we think it's being exhibited in Berlin. And by the time they went and done their processes of recovery, uh, the art was moved from this warehouse. Right. So through our own social work, as in monitoring networks, monitoring chat rooms and monitoring all sorts of things, we found a lead and a plug that it was being shown somewhere in Belgium. Mm. So we sent a team out there. We hooked up with local investigators there. And lo and behold, in a disused warehouse, these art pieces that are worth millions of dollars wow. were all being exhibited there. Not only were they being exhibited, they were charging entrance fees to members of the public to come and see the work right. that the artist had no idea about. Okay, That is a great business model. It's <laughs> making a lot of money. So they did, yeah. So we ended up setting, um, setting up a surveillance team um, to monitor the artwork. So our objective was to protect the artwork because these course, guys yeah. would, would randomly set up these uh, pop-up uh, exhibits and then move the art in the middle of the night. Your team was able to... So yeah, so we ended up monitoring these the sort of 24-hour sort of covert surveillance right. to try and make sure that this art weren't moving in the middle of the night. And the right. problem with this situation is you'd have these vans turn up at early hours and right. and the company, the intermediary company that leased the artwork were, were not very nice people. So right. um, once we started doing a bit more digging, um, we ended up identifying who was behind the whole thing and then the lawyer client uh, started the legal paperwork process mm -hmm. we ended up engaging bailiffs in that country who were, ended up being part of our team actually oh, wow. and ended up taking back 57 out of the 58 art pieces one was uh, missing but right. all in all at least you know the artwork was delivered back but this was quite a rapid deployment case like i said to you earlier sure, yeah. this dress purchase yep. you know you get the call in at night and the guys are on the ground in the morning so it's a, right. it, it, it's a quick um quick turnaround and having a network that all of us investigators have especially if you're dealing in the international market a trusted reliable network that you can call upon in a moment's notice sure yeah i mean it's worth its weight in gold completely and you know I, i'm a strong believer that every investigator needs to be have a you know, be part of their local association, their, their state. At, at a bare minimum. Yeah. Bare state, minimum. A yeah. national association yeah. and yeah. an international association. You yeah. need these 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 toolkits to, in yeah. order to have that network. And, and it, it only makes you look better too when you're going on those meetings. You know, it's just like, hey, th this is 
what I can get done for you, you know, makes you look bigger than you are. Tell me a little bit, like if somebody was, was looking to get into this line of work, they're maybe just coming out of law enforcement, or apparently if you're just sitting around on the couch in England and you want to be an investigator. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know how much work you get, but yeah. <laughs> how, do they get, how do they get into this? Put down the fish and chips and they say, I want to be a PI. <laughs> so how do, how do they do it? So in the UK, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's changing actually. It used to be ex-law enforcement and ex-military that would come into the private sector with the skills that they've developed over many years. However, now there's MVQ uh, Level 3 in private investigation, which is a, um, a course that you can do. Um, it's becoming a lot more openly known, this industry. Mm-hmm. However, we're still not licensed, which is, I don't know, it's contradictory a little bit. Right. But I would say that try and join a bigger firm if you're mm-hmm. out starting out on your own. Get the field experience. There's many courses that can help you enhance your skills and you know, database management, How which databases to use, how to use them. Right, right. Conducting OSINT work, open source work, and what you know, what steps, and what you know, what deliverable you should be giving clients, and right. you know, joining a bigger firm, I would suppose, once you've got enough skill sets and you want to take the plunge and go out on your own, which yeah. I'll be honest with you, it's scary, yeah. scary and difficult, especially yeah. when you're you know maybe yeah. employed and you're yeah. comfortable, right, you know, right, right, right. Uh, and it's if, if if something's in the too difficult pile, you can give it to someone else to do. Of whereas course, when yeah. you're on your own, <laughs> you, you've got to do the easy, middle, and difficult stuff oh, that's, all that's by rough. yourself. Yeah. Yeah, so, and join your associations, especially right. join your local association. Network with people in the industry that have done it and been there. You know, Develop friendships and contacts. So, so give me the website for WAD. WAD.net. WAD.net. Nice Very easy. easy. Yep. Yeah. Go check it out. And how do folks get a hold of you? As in me yeah, personally? It, no, get a hold of you for Conflict but, International. Oh, International. Yeah. So the website is conflictinternational.com. Mm-hmm. Probably best email for me because... It's just all over the place, and mm-hmm. that's m.lacourt, my name, at conflictinternational.com. Right, and I know you're on LinkedIn also. I am on LinkedIn, yeah. yes. And uh, he actually responds to his messages. I try to. Fantastic. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for sitting down with me. Mike was gracious enough to pretty much sacrifice his lunchtime today for me, so I'm a little hungry too, so we're, <laughs> we're going to tag out here from Osmosis, get back downstairs, and reintegrate ourselves to the program. So thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, Thanks, to step in and talk with me. Listen, folks, WA you got to go check it out it's uh it's been a great resource for me and i'm highly highly recommended and if you're doing work over uh, overseas conflict international even if you just had a question on how to do a certain thing i know mike is very uh, pro education and just making sure that you know within our industry we're doing things the right way so thank you for your time sir and uh, we'll talk to you soon been a pleasure thank take you take care everybody have a good day we'll we'll talk soon bye Thanks for checking out this episode. Kudos to Mike and his team for recovering all that stolen artwork. You can reach Mike through Conflict International at conflictinternational.com. We'll leave a link in the description. You can also learn more about the World Association of Detectives at wad.net. Please be sure to rate us five stars at Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment or review and share this episode with a friend. Tune in next time as Matt gets back to training and discusses the best ways to do accident scene photography. On behalf of Matt Spare, thanks for downloading and subscribing to PI Perspectives.